0: Hello, Dojo Nation! Today we did a live Q&A on Facebook. It was a huge success. We talked about chronically flat Fs. We talked about sweet spot on the chandorid. We talked about double toning bass drones and a whole lot more. So, uh, get ready here for today's episode of Piper's Dojo TV. <music> James Lindbergh here from London. Oh, that is awesome. Great to see you, Jimmy. Joined. He also asked a good question that we're going to get to later in the show. Alistair, how you doing? Good to see you. Um, let's get started with the first question here today. So the first question was from Ashby, who's you know one of our uh, you know big fans here. Uh, he is asking: Over the last three months, I have been having bass drone double toning problems. Okay. Uh, His pipe band leadership has checked his pipes, just as he has a bunch of times. Everyone says they are set up well. However, 10% of his strike-ins at rehearsals are resulting in double toning bass drone. Okay, I assume the problem is me, something that you're doing wrong. When practicing the strike-ins, what do we do? Um, He plays Atherton pipes with Lee and Son Bag. Okay, good. So um, here's my answer to that question. Is, uh, first of all, don't worry too much about the make of the bagpipes. The drones, the bag, um, even the technique—we'll talk about that a little bit in a second. But basically, uh, double-toning bass drones is a very serious problem. Um, it can—you know—it's sort of a catastrophic thing that can happen during an attack. Um, that's really, really bad. So the first thing that you need to do, you know—which I'm sure you've already done— which is to prepare yourself just in case a double tone happens. You need to make sure you know what to do. Which, in the case of a double-toning bass drone, is very simple. You just want to stop your pipes completely. And start them up again, right? That's uh, you know it's very important to do that. Don't uh, don't use any sudden moves. Should your bass drone double t- tune uh, double tone rather during a performance? Uh, you know the sudden moves thing is uh, if you do it right, okay, and the judge doesn't notice anything radical, it might be you know it's entirely possible to get away with that. And we've seen that many times, even in the very very top bands in the world. Even when they've won the Worlds, we've seen double-toning bass drones, and we've seen that actually result, not negatively as long as you know what to do. Now, uh, with the 10% double-toning problem, and I know, Ashby, we've talked about this um, you know, a little bit in the past. One of the big things, and I don't have my bagpipes here in the office with me today. They're at home. But one of the big things is the very first joint on the bass drone, Okay, uh, absolutely minimizing the... Um, height of the tuning pin on the first joint of the bass is one of the number one tricks uh, for eliminating the double toning bass. So, um, you know, this is something that I got originally from Jack Lee and is indisputably true, which is the lower that the bass drone tunes on the pin, the less likely you are to have a double tone. Now, your job as a player in the band, and you can use that trick, and you might need to adjust the reed, Okay? You might want to adjust the second joint on top to be as high as possible on the tuning pin to help minimize this first tuning pin on the bass. Uh, but then your job as a piper is to make it so that there's a 0% chance of double tone. And with appropriate setup, you can do that. So that's about as far into that as I'm able to go uh, without being able to get my hands on your instrument, uh, Ashby. And of course, you know um, how to reach me because you often sign in at Dojo U so we can talk about it. Uh, a little bit more. Um, let me know if uh, folks are, you know, let me know everything's coming through clearly here. Uh, that was my first question for Ashby. Let's uh, scroll up here. Um, actually, while we're here, Teddy asks, could you cover what instrument is best to get for an adult beginner piper? I can offer you my opinion on this, okay? The answer is, um, you know, the answer is here at the dojo, we definitely are big fans of, you know, anything by McCallum or Nail. Those are the two big, uh, those are the two big manufacturers of bagpipes. It all depends on, uh, for me, it all depends on exactly what sort of level of commitment that you have uh, to, you know, really, really uh, working hard on your piping. If you're absolutely committed to working really hard on it and you're super passionate about it, right? You want to go with a McCallum or a Nail. Uh, on the, you know, closer to the higher end of the aesthetics scale. So uh, if you go to pipersdojo.com, you can surf the bagpipe selection, and you'll be able to see that, you know, aesthetically, there's a bunch of different options, uh, you know, when it comes to how the bagpipe looks. Just keep in mind that, generally speaking, uh, a McCallum or a Nail bagpipe, it's going to have this, generally speaking, the same quality of sound, regardless of what aesthetic uh, setup you go with. Uh, with the pipes. So I would recommend weighing exactly how serious the adult beginning Piper is. Um, and then basically, it's just a matter of adjusting the price point there, going with a well-established brand of bagpipes. Um, and there are other really awesome sets uh, that are great. Uh, McCallum and Nell just happens to be uh, what we're most familiar working with um, at you know the Piper's Dojo. Yeah, Eric is pointing out Wallace bagpipes also excellent. I love the Henderson product. I love the um, Gibson product. You know, um, just I would go with well-established brands. And you know, before you purchase anything, um, you know, if you're going to purchase something outside of that wheelhouse, you just really want to check with you know field experts in the field, whether it be you know us here or somebody else like true experts you know, that have really been around the block to say, well, you know, this instrument is good for a beginner. Uh, Here's one thing to consider. Uh, I don't don't recommend legacy instruments, otherwise known as instruments that are, you know, from the uh, older generations. I don't recommend those to beginners generally uh, because a lot of the modern reeds are going to function, uh, you know, not necessarily as designed right so modern reeds are designed for modern pipes and vice versa and so when we get into vintage sets it can be really tricky unless you're already a bagpipe expert in order to uh, get things set up and hum in really the way that you want to so uh yep of course shepherd right shepherd is another really well-established brand um that uh, is definitely recommendable so um i think i would go there with that question um, as far as the rest of the setup of the instrument, uh, keep it as simple as possible. I love that you know, I love that by default McCallum and Nail both are uh, setting up the default instrument with a synthetic bag and um, you know, well-established simple synthetic drone needs. I think that's the right way to go. Um, you, don't, you don't really want or need a sheepskin bag for a beginner. You definitely do not want or need Um, like an extensive Ross canister system, or any other of the complicated moisture control systems. You don't need or want any of that as a beginner. Um, That's just my own professional opinion. Um, You're going to hear opinions all over the place, but that is my answer to that question. So Teddy, thank you very much uh, for typing that in there. Let's scroll up a couple more people who commented directly on my wall. Uh, Let's see, next question is uh, from John, who asks um, a kind of interesting question here. It goes like this, my question has to do with the Chanter reed sweet spot. That is the pressure required to produce the best tone, yet is determined by the pressure that produces unwanted sounds when a hide your Okay, that's getting kind of technical. I'll go into that in just a second. And then his question is, don't you want to blow at a pressure slightly below that pressure uh, and not exactly at the pressure? So let me explain that question. So John is really active um, in our Dojo University online classes that we hold on a regular basis. He's a member. And one of the things that we talk about is how to achieve the best possible tonal quality um, out of the instrument. And one of the things, and I'm sure you can attest to this, is if you blow at the absolute bottom end of your reed when you're playing, the sound quality is not very good. What I mean by the bottom end is the minimum pressure, right? The lower that pressure gets in the instrument, it sounds less and less good the lower that you go. And as of course, as you know, if we go too low, what happens? The chanter cuts out and we get what's called a choke. So, um, you know, the opposite is also true. The more air pressure we can put through the reed, generally speaking, the better the tonal quality will become. Okay, so we want to keep uh, we want to keep putting more and more and more and more pressure through that reed. Okay, that's our goal. However, just like at the bottom end, you're at risk of choking. At the high end, we're going to be at risk of squeaking. All right. So uh, the way that we define the best possible pressure to play your pipes is the maximum possible pressure without risking squeaks. And you know that is a Um, that's a delicate thing, and it's something that we have to learn and develop to get a feel for. Um, And so John's question is, you know, my golden rule is you want to find that exact line where your chanter crosses over from being reliable to potentially squeaking, and you want to ride that line exactly. And his question is, don't you want to just be a little bit below that line? And the answer for me is no. I want to be right on the line because I'm not worried too much about accidentally being a little bit over The worst-case scenario when you're a little bit over that line is some very like peripheral, trivial, uh, unwanted sounds. Okay, what happens if we habitually blow below the line? Is that before long, right? uh, It it sort of snowballs, and before long, we're down in the doldrums again, in the low pressure. Okay, so that is um, you know that's my personal philosophy. I'm always shooting for the line, and um, you know, squeaks are going to happen at first as we practice that, uh, that general idea. Squeaks are going to happen. But if you can prepare with in enough advance of any important performances, <coughs> teaching yourself that skill is absolutely essential. And that's um, how we get great tonal quality. And as a side benefit, it's also how we develop better steadiness because we now have an exact target that we shoot for Um, pressure-wise, when it comes to blowing steadily. John, I see your comment there. I'm going to like it. Press the button. And uh, there we go. So, John, thank you. That was an awesome question. Let's keep going to the next one. By the way, uh, in the chat, in the comments, if you'd like to add a question, you absolutely can. Although, you might want to wait until I get through some of these ones that I have here. Uh, just in case I miss it, and then we can call for some questions after that. Next on my wall, um, using the hashtag Piper's Dojo TV, by the way. Anything with that hashtag will eventually be seen, and we can use it for um, you know, answering questions. Um, yes, James, if there's time, I will answer that question. I see it there. Teddy, all right, you tuned in. Thank you for tuning in. That's really cool. All right, so Jimmy says... So, I was watching the pretest. I did a little uh, broadcast test here. Anyway, here's his question. Uh, this is a little bit pertaining to our business here at the Piper's Dojo and at Dojo University. If you were to sign up for the Piper's Dojo and take lessons, do the chanter sounds come through distorted on our live um, software? Uh, are we going to be able to hear the fine crossing sounds or missed grips? Well. I will let some of our members comment in here because I don't just—I don't want you to feel like I'm just tooting my own horn here. So if you guys can comment in on the Facebook to give my answer some uh, validity here, that would be great. But uh, we actually can hear very, very well uh, using the practice chanter on Dojo University. Uh, we can hear really, really well, and we do a lot of troubleshooting now um, of folks playing. <laughs> Jennifer says Andrew hears everything. And uh, yeah, so things are very, very clear uh, with the practice chanting. Now, with the bagpipes, and this is something we've been talking about a lot lately, uh, with the bagpipes, were we to blast bagpipes through our computer onto into a Dojo U classroom, it's not going to sound very good because it'll be distorted, and normal microphones will distort that. Uh, John McCain says, you think maybe Andrew has heard a crossing noise or two from you? Maybe. That's what John McCain says. So uh, yeah, you might be right. I might have heard one or two. Um, But uh, where I was going with that response was bagpipes themselves don't sound great. Here's how we work around that, which is we have a system for submitting MP3 recordings where you can actually take the time to make a good recording of yourself playing the pipes. And then you can upload that into our... Uh, sort of onto our server, and we can use that for critique. So we load the actual recording, and then when we press play, everybody's hearing the recording perfectly clear. So that's just a little bit of logistics. Uh, people ask me that all the time when it comes to Dojo U Learning, and um, you know, while we have people here signed in that are members, I uh, can let them um, you know comment in and let you know how they enjoy it. Um, is, it uh, is it exactly the same as face-to-face? No, definitely not, but it's an excellent system for getting regular instruction all week long. So we do our 7.30 a.m. class every single weekday, and we're always just chipping away, working on bagpiping just a little bit every day. So that is you know, a great question, and uh, hopefully that was a good answer. So Jimmy, thank you very much for commenting on the wall. Let's see, I'm just scrolling up here. Hashtag Piper's Dojo TV from John McCain. What are the best ways to deal with a flat F on an otherwise nice chanter read or combo. Okay, this is kind of a I find, I think this is a little bit of a uh, you know question that requires a lot of depth. So basically, pretending this is a bagpipe chanter, all of the notes on the chanter here sound okay, except for when we get to the F. The F sounds very flat to the drones. Um, Jimmy says, "See you in the dojo after the season." That's kind of weird. I just got some sort of notification there. I don't know if, uh, am I still, let me know if I'm still coming through clearly. That would be nice. Uh, Just, I'm not that confident on Facebook Live yet, so uh, let me know if anything's going awry there, but uh, hopefully things are good. So, um, the flat F problem. Now, there's a lot of different things to consider here. So, first of all, obviously, make sure that all of the tape the, the whole tape configuration needs to be, um, you know, minimal. There needs to be very minimal tape on the Chanter. Certainly beware of any tape on like low A or anything that might. Um... Guys, thank you very much for commenting in. That's really good. Uh, you're clear on the iPhone. So make sure the tape configuration is basic. Make sure the reed is seated snugly in the reed seat uh, and that it's not too dry and that's not too wet. It says four minutes until end of live video. That doesn't make sense. Maybe it thought I was inactive or something. Uh, we might have to go. Maybe it only allows me to do half an hour. Uh, we might have to stop and then go live again. So um, make sure everything's clear. And then the other thing is, John, I wonder if is the read old and is it collapsing on F, meaning the read has lost stability and that F just sort of sinks and the reed's not good, right? That's one of the questions. Uh, And then the other question is, um, uh, is the F just plain flat? So there's a couple things we can do if it's just plain flat. Uh, Option number one is to tape all of the other notes on the chanter a little bit, okay? Definitely an option, and uh, it's definitely something that happens occasionally um, in order to Um, you know, in order to get everything set. Like, you know, there's always going to be that one note on the chanter that has the least tape, which means that relative to all the other notes, um, relative to all the other notes, it's going to be a little bit on the, you know, flat side, and that's just the way that it is. The other option, uh, which is uh, a little bit more rogue, but you'll see it done occasionally, especially if it's a regularly occurring problem, Okay, So if it's a regularly occurring problem where every reed you put put in there is a little bit flat on F, that's where some pipers who are bold uh, would actually carve out that note a little bit. So you'd actually carve some of the material out of the F, on the top side of the F, in order to move the F closer to the reed, making that note just a little bit sharper. uh, And that's a great way to adjust it. For example, the male chanter that I currently play, for whatever reason, It was always very, very flat on B, and all the other notes were very good. So I took a drill to that note, and um, that is sort of how that went. So that is an excellent question.